The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now, I'm going to do something unusual at the start of the Thursday interview, and I'm going to read out the texts that have already started coming in about Neve Kavanagh. Jur, Peacock, and Kilcullen. In my opinion, Neve Kavanagh was the best singer ever to represent Ireland. <laughs> And her song was the best as well. Saw her with her band in Kilcullen a few years ago. No airs or graces. Such a lovely person. So <laughs> says Jer. Uh, another listener says, I love and even braces Eurovision to this day. I loved her interview on the Eurovision podcast. Worth a listen for any Eurovision fan. And Paul, who says he's a principal in yes, Mill Street. Mill Street. Out uh, there, amazing down there. Neve Cavanaugh was with us in Mill Street in December to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Mill Street Community School. She sang her Eurovision winning song In Your Eyes on our stage only a few hundred yards in the Green Glens Arena where the magic happened 30 years ago. She's still as engaging and brilliant a performer as she was then. That night in December is still being talked about here in Mill Street. As she said herself that night, it's not often a dub is made to feel like an honorary Corkonian. We look forward to seeing her back in Mill Street again soon. Thank you, Neve, for everything. They're nice messages together, aren't they? They're amazing. They're amazing. And what you know what's interesting about that particular night, which I absolutely loved, I I actually visited Mill Street uh, School when COVID happened, you know, the TY years hadn't done anything exciting. So oh, yeah. I went down and recorded Mustang Sally with them, which was really fun. But actually, when I was singing in your eyes, Noel C. Duggan was sitting like literally in front of me. You know? Oh, wow. And, I mean, he's the reason it all went to Mill Street. So it was pretty amazing, I have to say. And it is still pretty amazing, but it's 31 years later now. So it's it's kind of funny to think about it. Um, next week, we're picking our Eurovision entry for this coming year. Very early, actually. It's normally in March sometime because certainly from mm. my experience. But it's a great idea because it then gives them longer to get across Europe, which is what you need to do. What would you like to see or hear in that entry? Well, do you know what I'm loving? I'm loving that there's a lot of young people, maybe sometimes out of the box, you know, Bambi Thug and, you know, Elsha. There's there's a lot of things, a bit of Irish in it, which is great, Gatubbin. There's, there's good broad section, nice young talent in it. And I like that. I like to see new come, you know. And so... Um, I've listened to all of them briefly, but to me, you have to see them live because mm. actually the big stage, you've got to be live on the stage. So it'll be interesting to see how they do live. I'm really excited to see it now. So what what was the process when, when I you did. entered? Yeah. OK, well, what happened was uh, just briefly, what happened was uh, the sing- song- singers or the songwriters would have submitted their song. So actually, Jimmy Walsh submitted his song with somebody else singing it. And he got accepted because he lived in New York. So that's how he demoed it. Mm -hmm. And um, in January, the beginning of January, they announced us. So he asked if I would sing it. So I sang it. Uh, But actually what happened was we were on the Kenny Live show every week. Oh, God, yeah. For eight weeks. There was eight. Whatever happened to that fella? I don't know. He was somewhere anyway. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, we did the Kenny Live show. So we actually had to sing every show. So in the order that we were going to do on the actual, because there was a national final then. It wasn't. It wasn't part of the late late. It was the national final. So actually, I was on first, and the laugh was we literally had ten days to do our track and to get our backing singers. We'd nothing done. We'd mm. absolutely nothing done because I'd literally just said yes, and um, it was exciting. It was different, and I remember kind of really thinking about whether I wanted to do Eurovision, which is another thing, you know, because I was I just done the commitments. I was singing loads of lovely brilliant kind of things I was the call for certain types of things like ads and all that sort of stuff mm. so I was kind of singing in a, a soul band and doing all sorts of different things and You were making your way in, in my that own world way. already yeah. yeah but in a different way I mean I wasn't necessarily overly thinking that I was going to be an artist I was kind of a voice for hire really and um, I loved it 
But actually, Eurovision was slightly off the track a bit for me and I wasn't sure because, you know, we all talk about the glory days about how amazing it was then. Mm. But the reality is it wasn't necessarily considered a cool thing to do back then either. So I feel very strongly that um, you make it what you want. And I I loved it. I loved my whole experience. And even now, many years later, I still love to visit it. You know, the whole Eurovision thing. Uh, When did it change for you then? When did you really begin to embrace it? Do you know what? I love the song so that's why I did it and my mother said to me you know what's the worst that can happen you go and do a TV what's the worst that can happen and I said it's fair enough but actually I'll never forget the night I actually qualified right and there was some brilliant people on my show there was absolutely brilliant people Suzanne Bushnell you know Dad McNamara we we were all singers that knew each other from the scene we were having a lovely time we got to play with the orchestra which so why would you not be happy with that and you know we had a great night and then when I qualified I went up the stairs and met the first my first real experience of the Eurovision fans and I got it I mean you know and then you go to Eurovision of course it was in Mill Street so I got the train down and you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a lovely time to be on home ground it wasn't exactly Baku you were going no, to no it wasn't anything, quite but you know it was okay you know it was a brilliant experience to be like the local girl doing yeah. it and when I realised how huge it was that 350 million people watched what I did you know how many people can say that happens to them it doesn't happen you know I'd sung on the Grammys I'm, I'm sure a lot of people sang, I mean, nobody knew who I was you know mm. obviously I sang with the commitments on that the year before and um, you know the reality was I expected it to be the same experience where you go and do it and nobody really says anything afterwards but it absolutely changed the trajectory of my life at that point Yeah, you know in the sense that I suddenly realised actually I got to do something quite fabulous and I got to sign for an album deal went to Nashville recorded so it has it changed everything for me that moment you know and, but I did it on home soil in the most loving and fantastic way. So I couldn't lose, really. Were, were there things about it or aspects of it or consequences of it that you didn't enjoy as much? Well, I, I think initially, for years and years, everybody starts the conversation with Kiss of Death, Eurovision. Years ago, somebody asked me, how did I deal with the lack of success in my life? I was looking at them going... That is an awful thing to say, isn't what it? What a thing to be asked. Yeah. You know, I, I, I well, I just basically turned back to him and I said, you know... I'm still doing what I do at a very high level. I still love what I do. I'm married. I have a great life. What part of my life is not successful to you? You know, I think it's just down to how you feel. it. I still do what I want to do when I want to do it. I do lots of different things musically. And, you know, obviously lately I've gone into the podcasting. I do such a broad thing. And the great thing about being in Ireland is that you do you have to go across the the media. And I love the fact that I get to do all that. And you meet lots of new artists now and new things happening. And even though I'm now becoming the old dame in the situation, (laughs) I really like the fact that you kind of get to do all the different things. And that question that was asked of you, or even Mm. other people who talk about, you know, the kiss of death, is is that born of just kind of a blinkered view of what the music industry is that it's kind of it's top of the pops music and that's kind of it Neve, why weren't you on top of the pops for years afterwards I know well to be honest with you you can be successful in the music industry for years Bonnie Raitt for years and years and years was very successful in the music industry never hit a chart that you would have known and then suddenly in 93 she became you know in the early 90s she became very famous for Nick of Time and she was really high and and then she kind of recedes back for a bit and then this year last year she won the Grammy for Best Song you know you can be in this industry and be successful and not be up front and centre all the time. It, you know, some people are very central and very fabulous and that's wonderful. But you can be successful in this industry for a long time, mm. as long as you make choices that are right and creative for you. Did you always want to be a musician? I think I always wanted to sing. 
Yes. I, you know, and I loved singing, you know, and I loved it from, I can't remember a time when I haven't sung. It's like breathing for me. But, you know, the reality is I I self-check all the time to see if I'm enjoying what it is I do in it. Yeah. And sometimes I make choices that don't seem obvious to people, but I think sometimes you have to continue to find your love in it. Obviously, I have to feed the family. That's really important. Yeah, because that's the other thing I was going to mm. a- ask. It, like, um, there's a degree of bravery, I think, isn't there, in anybody who pursues a career like that? Yeah. Oh, no. Because there's a lot of jeopardy in a career like that. No, there is. But there the phone actually, might just stop ringing someday. Yeah, no, it can do. And But, you know, as long as you give your investment in it and keep realistic about it, yeah. you know, and be broad across it. But I think the biggest problem that happens with people is that they put themselves in the box and they and they become frozen in that area. You just have to kind of constantly look at new avenues. I mean, one day I might be singing with a guitar over here. I might be singing with a band over here. I might do tracks over here and then next day I might be singing with the orchestra and luckily I am the call for that but I, I'm still the call because I put the work in and because I'm open to all the options that mm. come in and there's some brilliant musicians coming in and so the more musicians I meet and the more artists I meet then that brings me into new spaces all the time and that's what it's about. Was uh your home life was it supportive of that? Yeah, that my, passion. Very lucky. My, my husband, from the day and ever I met him, actually when I met him, I was kind of contemplating maybe just stepping back and doing something totally different because I was a bit like frozen. What? Well, I, I don't know. Just what working. Would you have done? I don't know what I would have done to be honest. Because actually, at the time, I had been signed to Aris Records for many years, and that didn't work out because, well, for various reasons and all that. And I created this great album, but I couldn't quite get them to release it. And then the, this album was released. Well, I say released, it fell out. And you become frozen by that after a while because you think other people are going to know how to do their job. And then he just said to me, you got to remind yourself why you do it. And the reason I do it is because I love to sing. So he said, stop worrying about what it is you're singing. Just go and remind yourself why you do it. So every time I go out, that's what I think. And so for him to support that, uh, obviously, I made choices when the kids were small to keep me closer to home. And even now, the conversations that I have must support the fact that I have I want a good work life balance. I still mm. need to have that because it's important. But you can have it. And the old, now the kids are grown, you know, they're they're less concerned about whether I'm at home unless there's Do not. the kids think you're cool? No. They're so un underwhelmed by <laughs> what I do. I had a brief moment when I told them I sang on the Grammys. There was a brief moment and then they said, Did you sing on the you know the MTV awards or something? I said, No, they weren't there and it's like the light went off immediately. It's you know, it it I'm their mother. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's not going to be cool that I do I'm sure it's been cool at moments. I'm sure there's I'm not saying they haven't used me for their advantage when they're trying to get better tips and working somewhere. You know, if they meet an Irish person, they kind yeah. of say, you know who my mother is, you know. Uh, you know, I but they never show that side to me. They're just kind of, that's what I've always done. And when I'm at home, I'm annoying them because they aren't cleaning the room. So, you know, let's be honest, like. Yeah, they're just typical children, I guess, <laughs> in that regard. Kids. Well, they're men now. So, you know, they're 21 and 23 now. So, yeah. you know, they're not exactly excited by what I do in that sense. But, you know, they, they've just accepted that's what I do and they love that it, it's very nice that I do it. Do they like, does your husband like, do they get a kick out of people coming up to you on the street? Yeah, I think so. You know, years ago, I think when the kids were small, they used to, they, we were checking in somewhere and this girl said something about the fans and he says, oh my God, I can't believe you're talking about the fans. I said, no, actually, it's too hot. She has fans on her. It's not talking about people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it's weird. You know, I don't know how to describe it because I don't really bring it into the space. I joke yes. about it occasionally, but to me, I'm the mother in that space. And so I don't really think about it. It's just what I do. And um, I think most people realise when they meet me, I'm like too normal 
to be doing what I'm doing <laughs> sometimes. Mm. And that sounds wrong, but I'm not dramatic about what I do. I extremely love what I do and I'm yeah. very serious about what I do, but I'm not serious about myself. Do you think that had you been more dramatic, your career might have gone in different directions? Yeah, I think I, all the Do you choices... ever think I held myself back a little bit by being... Oh God! Undramatic. I, I, no, I I think this is just who I am, okay. and and the imposter syndrome that I had for a little while afterwards because I wasn't prepared to be an artist. There's a very different thing between being, you know, a voice for hire or a, a vocalist or whatever to being an artist. That's a very different animal. Yeah, you know, and so I wasn't prepared to be an artist at the time. You know, how so, did that manifest? Kind of imposter syndrome. Well, it, you kind of just sit there going, "What the hell are you doing here?" You know, because I was doing amazing things. I was traveling all over the world. I was you know doing the top TVs all over Europe I was doing things that seemed so outside of the space yeah. I was in Nashville recording and Mary Shapen Carpenter was singing backing vocals to my voice that is the weirdest experience you'll ever have in a room you know you're standing in the room with Aretha Franklin standing there breathing the same air as you I mean you're not speaking obviously because that's just too cool you know but there's all these things happening and you're trying to act like this sort of thing happens to you every day and it doesn't right you know even the fact that I can say to you that I've been on the late, late with every presenter, right? Yeah. Gay Byrne, Pat Kenny, Ryan Tuberty, now Patrick Eilty. I've been on all of those every year, nearly on the late, late. That in itself is a strange thing to say in the, in the context of Ireland. Yeah. You know, so yes, I probably could have done lots of things. You know, people often say with your voice, you could have done this, that and the other. But the reality is I'm still doing. And so that's all that matters. Yeah. Ah, you know, I wasn't suggesting like that there was that the career didn't hit the heights it could have. I just wonder, did you ever get a sense of uh, a, a feeling that some people do maybe um, that uh, that there was other things? It, it's kind of a natural human instinct, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? To look at people who have a little bit. We never look at the people who have a little less than us. You always look at the person who's a little bit more and you yeah. think, oh, how do I get to there? How do I get to there? No, I get that. I kind of get that. But actually, I don't. I don't operate like that. I, yeah. I operate in the now. So I think about it's not over for me in my head until it's over, as in when things stop, you know, and the day that will happen is when somebody stops. I, I think even when I'm 90 in the corner, I'll probably be staying, still singing at you, you know, because it's in my heart. To but who'll be presenting the late, late then? I you? don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I probably won't be on it now, to be fair. But, you know, the Dermot thing... Dermot will be on it. Oh, lads. I, you know, <laughs> but, you know, the interesting thing about it is actually, I think, you can't say this is it, you know, because if that's the case, I would have stopped at the commitments because that was my big break. Yes. You know, and then so I wouldn't have done Eurovision, but then I did Eurovision and that was the big break. And then I went to Nashville and then I did this and then I did this. So you're never done. You just always move towards what's next. Yeah. And it's exciting. And then you look at the new artists coming up like CMAT and all that who are like she did a cover of In Your Eyes. And, and I saw it on Twitter and I nearly had a heart attack, right? Because yeah. I was like, oh my God, that's a moment. You know, and it's it's exciting that even at my age or whatever, you know, that it's still, you still feel kind of reasonably relevant. Why do you think we haven't won it in so many years? Lots of reasons. Um, sometimes you can just be marginally outside of the space because let's be honest, top 10 only get the vo votes yeah. at any given moment. It can be that we chase the dream and we're not unique in that in the sense that quite often people chase the win for Eurovision so they look at what it has been rather than what's coming and also okay. the other thing is also 
artists have to feel brave enough to come forward and feel supported during that whole thing. And at times we're not as supportive with the artists. And I can understand why they maybe don't feel as confident about getting involved. But I actually think, you know, sometimes they think, oh, well, if we don't win or we don't qualify, that's a a negative thing. But I don't think I don't agree. I think every time you put something out, you're judged. So it's the same concept. But all you need is one percent of the people to like you. Think about it, like hundreds of millions of people watch that. And if somebody takes a notion about you, I won one, didn't win the other. And I guarantee you, both were absolutely brilliant for my career. Okay. Do you understand what I mean? So yeah. I think you, you you have to flip how you feel about it. And I think artists need to feel supportive. But also the public have a big role in this because they always say, oh, why do we send that? But do they listen? Do they vote? Do they get involved in the whole process? That's very important. You have to be actively involved and make artists feel yeah, great about unfortunately, it. Unfortunately, it's easier to give out than get involved. No, it is, for sure. in lots of different areas. For um, sure. You enjoying the podcast? Loving the podcast. Absolutely loving it. I grew up Farley and myself, the Agony Rants. Listen, I made... I am made to talk. There's two things I do good in the world, sing and talk. And uh, podcasting is great fun. He does all the hard work. I just go in and do the diva thing. But, you know, we we solve problems. I can't believe people are still writing in. Uh, The messages are still coming in. I'll read one more for the moment. Mike, without doubt, the best ever Irish Eurovision song (laughs) and arguably the best ever overall. I remember that night so clearly. It was Italian 90-esque in excitement and nervousness. Congrats, (laughs) Neve. And so says Mike. Mike, thank you for the text. Uh, Neve Kavanagh, thank you very much. My pleasure. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.